welcome to episode 52 of Dealer Process Secrets Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Sterling Brian. We've got special guests with us today, uh, live on the house, Audrey McKinley and Kelly Saunders as well with us. And uh, welcome everybody. Today's topic is going to be about improving the lives inside the dealership. Personally, why that means so much to me, uh, and it's it's a long story for me. Uh, maybe Sterling and Brian, you guys can kick us off, or Audrey Kelly, if you guys have anything. If not, I'll I'll start my story. But uh, love to hear potentially you guys jump on there first. Uh, yeah, quick ad for me, real quick. Sterling speaking is um, that that is a real nice summary of what you bring to the table, improving the lives of the people in the car dealership. I think that's a great goal that's going to help out so many people, and I'm excited to uh, talk on that tonight. It's been a while. I think part of the thing that's kept me in the industry and like kept me motivated and excited about it is watching people's lives change and, and knowing that I had a part in someone doubling or tripling their income or being able to buy a house when they thought that they couldn't because, you know, they learned the craft and were successful at it. Amen. And that's, uh, that's exactly what we talked about last week. Uh, that was definitely my pivotal moment was uh, of really the pivotal moment for me was deciding, Hey, this is, this is my business. This is what I'm going to keep doing. And when I decided that I thought I was going to, you know, stay uh, working in one dealership or end up managing two, maybe or managing three or uh, owning one or two or three. And that was, that was honestly my trajectory when I originally realized, Hey, the car business is for me. And then, you know, I'd already decided that things went completely uh, different for me, but um, yeah, that was the same thing for me. Brian was really just uh, when I had hired some guys and seen them improve their lives, just watch their lives change. And I felt like I had something to do with that. I was at least, uh, you know, on their path to that happening, whether it be, you know, I interviewed and hired them or I managed them. It doesn't really matter. Um, just uh, being a part of that and watching that happen or grabbing them off of the reception desk, right? When the receptionist was trying to throw them out, saying they were too young. And then <laughs> three years later, they're a sales manager, right? Uh, you know, just uh, those types of things and watching uh, that happen is absolutely when I was like, no, this business is definitely what I've got to stick to. Because I'd already left it, come back once. And, I, you know, it's very common inside the car business. Oh, one day I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to do this. Everyone's got their plans and things they're going to do. Um, I had left it and come back and decided, you know what, I'm not going to think that way. This is my business. And when I did that, it wasn't right when I came back. It was, uh, it was definitely when I had seen those, you know, those impacts in people's lives. That was a hundred percent when I just, just, uh, looked at it and was like, no, you know what, I'm going to decide this business is for me. Uh, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to spend my time the rest of my life and still in the business, obviously, uh, I meant at the time I was going to stay inside of the dealership, but, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how things end up working, but yeah, hundred percent agree with you, Brian. So Audrey, Kelly, you got anything? Hey, well, hi everyone. Thank you, Philip and Sterling for inviting me here on your live podcast. And I'm so excited. I miss you guys. I always love um, having conversations with you guys. They're, they always turn into such great, um, just, you know, at the table conversations that build. 
And so when you said receptionist, I was that receptionist. 
Audrey, what do you do just to let our listeners know, uh, you know, what what you do? Because we're going to post this episode. Obviously, we haven't been on Clubhouse in a little while here, but uh, what you do and and just a little bit about um, where they can find you. Oh, thanks, Philip. Um, so my company is called Auto Network Consulting, and you can find me at autonetworkconsulting.com or audreymckinley.com. And what I do is I help build dealerships wealth in their F&I departments. I train and um, bring products and processes into the dealership space. And I'm in uh, multiple states in the United States of America. <laughs> but um, And then I also have a passion to helping um, women build their careers and men. There are some men in this room that I have worked with. And I love building, helping people step out of their fear and stepping into faith and really doing what it is they were created to do, whatever that is. Because... Uh, I just see see so many people that are, I wish I could do this. And I have more of a mentality that if you knew you could do anything you would want to do, why aren't you doing it? And so I love uh, people um, helping people do that. And one little tidbit about me is my book is coming out in November. No way. Uh, the pathway to the land of milk and honey. So I'm very excited to share no that. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. You put a date on it. Is it done yet? Um, it's actually in um, right now. We're in the um, edit. Uh, the, we have the publisher and uh, the launch. We'll have a soft launch in October, hopefully October fifteenth. And That's then I get a copy. You'll definitely get a copy, a signed one, right? Yeah, I need but a signed copy. The the book is beautiful. It makes me cry. And anyone that's been been listening or reading the chapters as I read to them, they're like, I'm looking up as I'm reading, and they're crying. That's so cool. It's not, it's not intended to be a tearjerker. It's just that many people can relate with the stories that I'm sharing in the book about stepping out of your fear and comfort zone and doing it scared and being obedient to God's comments. So. That's a, that sounds awesome. I can't wait. Are you going to do the Audible too? Well, if I don't ever stop talking and my voice comes back to its purest form, maybe I will, yeah. And I'd love to actually have it transcribed in Spanish. You know what's funny is you actually do lose your voice. Uh, it's, it's the same as maybe screaming at a football game or something when you go and you all you do is read your book for – 10 hours uh, or eight hours. I think I did it for 10. I got the whole thing done in a day. That ended up like three and a half. It might not have been that long. Maybe it took me about nine. Uh, but yeah, the next day, I couldn't, I couldn't talk that well. Uh, my voice was lost as if I had been screaming or something. Totally weird, but it, it happens. So mind that. But yeah, definitely do the audible, especially if you're gearing it towards people in our business. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, Kelly, how are you, Kelly? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. How are how is everybody here? Awesome. Good, doing great. That's awesome. Um, I'm not going to derail the conversation, but I will say that when it comes to the dealership, um, uh, I guess what is it, culture, um, open door policies definitely help. Um, 
but true open door policies, right? Not will we just say, oh yeah, I have an open door policy, but then anytime somebody comes to you, you're always too busy or you're only half listening. Like a true open door policy where you can sit down and speak with your employees and be engaging, right? And be able to truly hear and listen to what it is that they're saying and, and what their concerns are, and then be able to help them through whatever their uh, potential situation may be that may catapult them to success, right? So I think having a true open-door policy, not just one in, in phrase, so to speak, always helps. That's awesome, Kelly. Yeah, I totally agree, obviously. Uh, you want to know your people. I mean, you want to know them well. You want to know everything about them. Uh, that's truly caring is, is really knowing about them. You know, I care about my dog, so you know, I know all about them. Constantly learning about it, right? Uh, maybe a bad analogy, but not really. When you care about something, you learn about it, you know it, you get to know it. So the, the words care, but uh, 100% agree with exactly what you're saying. And I think the goal is, if you're on the other end of hearing that, is that you really want to know. Um, it doesn't mean that person's directing you or changing your mind on thing, uh, things, but they will make impacts in decisions because you're going to know them and you're going to know the better you know the better decision to make when you're trying to make things better for everything which is going to start with uh, your team right so awesome kelly thank you Ella, can i share here uh, kelly i just think that's a sign of good leadership right leadership and servanthood and when you really know your team your sheep your flock your tribe whatever you want to call it you're able to understand their heartbeat because some days they're off and and if you don't build that trust uh you, you're not able to really talk to them and ask them what's what's going on there's a book that i'm actually working with a dealership group tomorrow and we are we are reviewing the book the five dysfunctions of a team by patrick Lancini, and it really breaks down the, or building of trust and transparency and conflict or overcoming conflict. And when you can, you, you really can't, oh, everybody, Demetrius Naylor is in the audience is saying hi to everyone. And he says that's an excellent book. Yes. It, it, you have to be able to, to build the team. You have to be able to break down the team to know when I'm weak, you're strong. Or when you're strong, where I'm strong, you're weak. And I gotcha. And, and a really good analogy of this is I lead worship on the weekends and I really depend on the vocal team and the band to play together. If you imagine us in worship live and one guy is going this way and another person is going that way, and we've had to re be able to look at each other. We were talking this weekend. We had a, a I had a, um, a night of appreciation for them because we've got to appreciate your people, right? Like this is what you were saying to Philip. And I was telling them where I can look at them and give them a certain look, and I and they know, okay, she's she's confused or she needs help or back her up. And all I need them to say to me is, I got you, I got you, and you know I can trust them. And I trust that they're not going to make fun of me if I fail, if I'm off key or something goes wrong. You know, 
because I'm not perfect. And no one in the car dealerships are perfect. We all may make mistakes. How'd you gain that trust, though? How? You know how I gained their trust? We actually had a team of three, and now we have a team of about seven. And the three, it was only three because we weren't open to bringing more people in. And it was now we have so many people because I'm building them up. I'm letting them know. Like one guy was totally afraid. There you to go. What? I said, there you go, building them yeah. up. Yeah, building them up. Like one guy was having a really hard time. I said, look, I, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. I want you to know that you belong, that you matter, and that the guy who's just doing the sound, that if he's not there, that it, you know, no one ever praises that one guy or the guy who's picking up the trash for dealership. That guy who picks up the trash is probably one of the most important people in the dealership. The first guy, the first dealership I worked at, I picked up trash. He literally would bring in like two dollars and found it and hand it to the sales desk. It's pretty incredible. You have to appreciate the people and build them up and know that if they fail, look, you might have a new a new salesperson. Demetrius in, in the audience, he's got new salespeople all the time. And he builds them up. He gives them raw, raw meetings in the morning. I'm sure he's doing it every morning, 9 a.m. We're going to build you up. And when you build them up, you give, and you, you build confidence and trust. When maybe something goes wrong, you could say, hey, are you having a bad day? Because I noticed that you weren't. You weren't doing the things we've asked you to do. Or, you know, I noticed you were smoking cigarettes out front where we don't smoke cigarettes out front. Hey, you know, take it inside. You don't have the right to do anything or ask them to do anything if you haven't given to them first. So that's my two cents. I've spoken enough. No, I like that. Uh, I, uh, I, Man, if you can, those those rules of spoken here, spoken there, and all those different, that just threw up something because there's a way to actually get your entire dealership to do that without ever having to harp on it. There's an issue when you're harping on something nonstop uh, within exactly what you were talking about, Audrey, because there's and it also has to do with the giving focus to it. So if I'm giving focus to this guy, all the guys that are smoking cigarettes or whatever, who am I not giving focus to now? It's like the bad kid, the good kid, the bad kid gets all the attention. So there's that aspect of that. And you obviously have somebody that's trying to make money. And then you got this guy over here that you're trying to reel in. Well, I want to focus on the guy that's trying to make money. And you get the, you get the behavior that you reward. So, if obviously I'm giving this person attention and I'm giving this person's rewards and I'm ignoring the person out here doing this, well, they're either going to change their behavior or they're going to move on. So it is that you get into this place where you're constant. I know this was a totally different subject, but you just brought something up that I see all the time. I mean, it's in, it's so much, it's like these guys need to smoke over here, this, and then that's the thing that you're constantly harping on and, you're going to have housekeeping issues inside of the dealership. Um, but if you get stuck on that too much, it can be a detriment to the people that are actually there trying to work. Uh, so that, that is something I do like to talk about a little bit because I mean, it's where we put our focus is what we receive 
and you're going to get the behavior that you reward and negative attention is somewhat a reward. People are very competitive in the automotive industry. We all know that. We are all salespeople and we all want to be noticed. And we all want to be number one, right? But sometimes you gain momentum and you become number one when you become the servant of all. Does that make sense? Yeah. When you, talk, that, when you know that that corny cliche phrase of leading from the front um i don't know how far leading from the back whatever it is it's leading from the front right you're on the front lines you understand what's going on i've talked about that with sterling i mean if we had a dealership of our own uh and i'm not sure i want to own a dealership or not but, but if we did have the, you know the opportunities right we probably would so but if we did have a dealership of our own you know i'd want to know how to do every single job in that dealership um and that's you've got to you've got to be able to literally sit in for the finance guy that's a tough one right you've got to be able to sit in uh for a service writer in my opinion that's truly from the front i don't know how many owners and gms out there can go spin a deal in their finance office or uh take a customer in the service department uh let you know except maybe wrench on a car because obviously that's what's funny is out of the entire dealership that's what actually takes a serious uh education of skills not saying that um you know being a top producing anybody doesn't take a serious skill set but we will hire somebody that has none of your skill sets and put them right next to you on the sales floor in finance on the sales desk we do it all the time uh, so, uh the only the only job that you actually would be schooling for in the dealership really is the tech job which is funny uh, so that's the only job i probably wouldn't know exactly how to do like you know go and you know, do this brake job or or this timing belt or whatever it is but uh, awesome conversation thank you guys I was just going to also tell Audrey that I've um, read Five Dysfunctions to the team. That's in my probably top 25 business books of all time. I picked it up, I don't know, when I first, when I was a young manager. I got made a general manager when I was 25. I think that was in like 2000. I think it was 2001. And I think that book came out the next year. So that book, when I was an executive for General Motors, we had a week, uh, we had a business retreat and it was a three day. We would do them every, every quarter or so. And so we were, uh, we were, we had our executive, you know, we rented the executive boardroom in a hotel and there was maybe only 10 of us in a, you know, in the executive table, blah, blah, blah. But we all had to read the book and then we all had to come to the table. We were going to do the workbook with it. So the most uncomfortable yet gratifying moment was where we went around the table and we had to share because we all knew each other pretty well. We had worked together for several years together. We were in the region uh, the Western region of, of California. And so uh, we had to share with each other what we, thought the person did really well, what we thought, what we wish we could be like them, do what they do, and then what they didn't do well. well how, would that, how would that exercise work in absence of trust? Right? 
because you know, like I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I always say um, you can only move at the speed of trust. And what I mean by that is, like, if I don't trust you and you don't trust me, we're not going anywhere. But you know, if you trust your manager and says, "Hey," or he or she says, "Hey, go do this," you're going to go do it if you trust them. And if there's a problem that needs to be addressed, you're going to bring it to that manager because you trust them. Brian, there's a trust in culture too, though, where you hire a brand new person and the entire team trusts each other and trusts the decisions to a certain extent. Uh, it gets crazy. You, you break the trust doing this, but you could, could, you know, literally tell somebody to do something ridiculously stupid within those cultures and they will just go do it. But the reason that trust is there is because you've been telling people to do things that actually make a difference. You've been actually caring. You've been actually setting up a system that benefits the whole, that makes the team stronger, uh, et cetera. So when you've been doing that, you can implement somebody new and they can actually feel the trust around and you can tell that person to go do something that, you know, at any other car dealership, they'd be like, what are you talking about, man? You know? Right. But in that dealership, in that setting, when you've got that trust built up, that person will just go do it because they can feel that everybody else trusts the, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the whole... Right. You can call, you get notes and call chain command, call it whatever you want, because you do have to have a hierarchy of power, in my opinion, for that to even exist. It's the quickest, sorry, it's the quickest way to get your team from point A to point B is trust. But it also, trust is another word or could be a synonym for caring, which is something we also talk about a lot. When you I have think caring leads to trust. Sorry, Audrey, caring. No, it's just, so if, that, if I know you care about me, I'm going to trust you. That's how you can okay. So it, it's, it, if I know, if I, if, if, for me to know that you care about me, I have to have seen you do something sacrificial. I mean, it, that's actually the right word. It's a little extreme, but, you know, something that was like you, you, you know, broke your, you bent a little bit on your waist to lift me up. You know, so you gave something to me, maybe I didn't deserve fully, etc. So that's truly caring about you. And that's gonna that's what I That's so powerful, Philip, what you just said. That you did something sacrificial for me that you didn't need to do that. So I'm trusting you that you gave me something. It's just that was powerful. Can you repeat what you said? So I wasn't, I, I use that word on the, you know, really on the spur of the moment, just off the top of my head, but it, it's, it, to truly show someone that you care about them, it's witness the other, right? So if I truly care about you, if you're one of the guys on my team, I'm a sales manager at the sales desk, or I'm a finance manager, right? So this is big too, just because of the average uh, interaction that salespeople are going to have with finance managers. I'm a finance manager and I do something to make you, the salesperson, look good. Like how rare is that almost inside of our business? But that's sacrificial, right? So I could have taken credit for something, but instead as a finance manager, I wanted to pump you up, the sales guy. When you do things like that and you've got a multitude of people inside your dealership doing things like that for each other, the trust that will build, I may not need to trust you uh, outside at a bar somewhere around my wife. I'm just being serious here, right? Like I may not be able to trust you in any of those situations, but the culture of our trust inside the 
entrepreneurship because when it comes down to business, when it comes down to a customer, when it comes down to we're trying to make each, each other look good. So if if we end up doing that, I mean, it's huge. And you do drop in a green pea, what I was trying to tell Brian before, if you do drop a green pea into that, that, that green pea will feel that. Uh, and not even a green piece, somebody from outside your organization. So you drop a brand new person into that. They're going to feel, oh my goodness, this place, like we trust each other here. Uh, this, these guys, are, you know, obviously it's like, a, you know, what they get in the Navy SEALs, they get in the, with the paratroopers, you know, the real select military forces, even in the military, not to discount what you can get in the military, but they get even more in those, in those uh, select groups, right? So, Philip. Uh, that's the problem. From, you know, everybody, the most amount of people you can get to do that for each other as a team and care has a great acronym, commitment, attitude, reliability, excellence. So care is, is what, you know, I drill in, I'm managing the store, I'm drilling in care. It's commitment, attitude, reliability, and excellence. So Philip, what comes to mind when you're saying that, this is Audrey, um, is that a salesman is brand new. What I'm not seeing more of, and I see in some stores, is when you have a new salesman, the best way to gain that person's trust is to show them instead of telling them. So it may require a sales manager to get out there hiding and go close the deal for the brand new salesman so that he gets that wow feeling and he now understands what it feels like what it looks like to make a deal so if he sees you be this rock star superstar and close the deal for him and instead of making him just fumble 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 in the beginning he goes i want to be like that guy or that girl and then he begins to trust you when you tell him do this i mean there were some crazy things when they would tell me go out there and tell the, well, I didn't, have, they didn't tell me. I became a sales manager. I was telling them, but I was saying, tell them their trade's worth five grand. What? It's not worth five. I know it's not. But trust me, I need to know what the reaction is. Just trust me. Use these words. Your trade is worth 5000 Sound good? <laughs> when we knew it was worth eight, you know? Yeah. But so they don't know. You know, I, I was talking to the uh, finance manager today. We were in, um, I said to him, what is your biggest challenge that you have right now? And he's like, well, we have a lot of repeat customers, a lot of the owner's friends. It's a very small community where I'm at in Las Cruces right now. Everybody knows everybody. And I said to him, okay, well, who's your customer then? I think your customer is a sales manager and the salesman. You need to go serve them. You need to go be with them so that before they leave and go get those checks that are written out from the credit union, that they come into your office and it's too late to sell them anything after that. You need to ask, you need to have trust with them to say, hey, before they leave, let me talk to your customer. I'm going to bring them into my office. If they don't trust you and the salesman thinks you're going to dog them, then then you go nowhere. So you got to really sell yourself to the, to the um, salesman. So I get what you're saying. It makes all the sense to me. Yeah, I love everything you said too. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Cool conversation. Uh, great, you know, great stuff to apply. I mean, this these these uh, topics open up a 
in my opinion, like a can of worms that you individually want to look at from what you know, your your own perspective, how you see things, and then you know what you're actually working with inside your own dealership. Um, I mean, imagine with what you said, a, a finance manager. Um, you know, when you hire a new finance guy, someone actually sitting with them and do, doing deals. I'm not saying that never happens, uh, but for the most part, you know, we we have them learn the paperwork, we have them do cash deals, and we have them do a deal. Uh, we throw them in rates rotation, right? And uh, you never sit down and go, "This is how it's done," and have them watch you actually sell things, um, watch you take a take a bad deal, work your butt off to make a bad deal into a very small deal, but at least it's not a zero deal. Uh, and then you know what you did with another customer. So, yeah, I mean, there's a there's so many different different things we can talk about about it. Um, but uh, love it. You got anything, Sterling, Brian, Kelly, Audrey? Anything else? Nobody has anything. I, th I think we covered it pretty good. I think we got into some good stuff that's going to help people maybe realize, you know, parts of their team that aren't functioning the way that they they should. Maybe they can implement um, some of the trust and caring that we've talked about. And you know, get some miles out of that. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. I agree. So I also think I also think that Phil, you and Audrey both brought up uh, similar points. Where it sounds like you guys are both throwing yourselves into, you know, what's going on, like for good, uh, worse, or indifferent. Like you're involved. So when you're involved, that's how you get the most feedback, and then you can give them uh, positive, negative. Uh, constructive, I guess would be the better way of wording that. But um, you're going to be able to get into the details and people are going to get a lot of value. So I know Audrey offers uh, a lot of benefit in what she's, uh, you know, providing these dealerships. And then Phil, you know that you and I have started working a little bit more closely and you've got me calling some of these dealerships. And um, I wouldn't be calling places if I didn't believe in what I was offering them. So uh, both of you guys brought some great stuff to the table. And I look forward to uh, continuing to move forward with both of you guys in, in some way, shape, or form, or at least staying in touch. Audrey and I haven't been as, as close as Phil and I have, obviously, but um, Audrey, I know you got some great stuff there, too, based off everything Phil said and what I've heard. So uh, awesome conversation so far. Yeah, Brian got to be with me uh, in a dealer. Yeah, no, uh, no um, what do you call it, little easel thing. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna catch up to Brian here soon. I'm gonna join you too. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great experience to you know get down there and, and um, you know I, I I say that you have to tune in before you can turn on and it was a great experience to go down there and see these uh, impressionable minds that took the stuff that you were that you were teaching them and applying it. And I'm excited to hear the Oh, huge, huge increases, baby, of course. So awesome. But yeah, you guys know I don't like to get too much into business on these things. I like people just to be able to absorb uh, whatever we're talking about, whatever's on our minds and whatever we're thinking. But yes, I know, uh, well, me and Audrey are kind of a little bit in competition, I guess. Not really. I'd love to team up with Audrey and, uh, and do and do some stuff that'd be cool we talked about it but uh anyway you know, you know my doors are open there Philip, for you anytime there's just nothing but opportunities the land of milk and honey over here i can't wait 
maybe we should do a, uh, a a promo with both our books. You know, you get signed copies, or me and you can do a book signing somewhere or something like that. Trying to get a whole bunch of people to come. I don't know where we do it. Audrey, uh, Audrey, say the date of your uh, book release again, if you don't mind, one more time. So the actual date is not done yet. Um, we're in the process of doing the edits. We're doing the first edit. It's got two more edits. Then we're doing the cover. So, you know, it's, I'm thinking November. I'm really not in the rush. I just, uh, it's very divinely written. It's, um, um, it's God's in control. That's all I got to say. And well, so, uh, me too. Yeah. too. I was going to make a show of how I would like put mine out the day before yours come out, my second one. But uh, <laughs> it's just, it's not even real. You know, you just said that. It's so true. It's like, I, you know, some days I'm like, man, I need to write my second book. And then, it's uh, God's uh, 100% control. That's uh, so accurate. So I have no My second one, I think, will come out pretty soon, but I, I don't really know when. So funny, everybody's writing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Audrey. No, go ahead. Kelly, we want your book to come out. <laughs> so it's interesting that I'm actually in the process of writing it. Um, I got some great feedback from Jay Massey. I don't know if you guys know who he is, but um, he actually gave me a great... <laughs> idea of um speaking my book and then having it transcribed but it's actually a workbook you guys here i'm trying to put my son to sleep here i'm sorry um but it's a workbook for the consumer and it's the consumer's guide to automotive and it's essentially how to you know teach the everyday consumer questions that they should ask themselves before they ever even go to the dealership because so often they don't know whether they want a car, truck, or SUV, or you know how to bet different brands and things of that nature. So it's actually not focused on like anything salesy. It's just more so how to see what kind or what type of car buyer you really are. So it makes your process a lot easier. So it's a workbook for the everyday consumer. That sounds really cool, Kelly. Uh, I love it. Thank you. Um, you know, then I gotta make, then I gotta make the joke. You're out here, like, let me uh, help you uh, get away from these uh, sleazy car salesmen. <laughs> Kelly's yeah, out here. No,
I have a bunch of sales training and finance training stuff that I could, you know, put together and, and maybe get something going, but I'd like to do something a little more entertaining than that. We need more, we need more books in our space. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to put out, I don't know, five maybe before I stop. Like I've literally thought of five in my head. I've got my dealership process secrets. That's definitely going to be three. Uh, then I could definitely do one in depth. I don't know, man. I probably want to sell it for $2,000 or something. When I, when I really think of what I would put into uh, an in-depth finance book and then potentially uh, an in-depth uh, dealership manage, management uh, sales desk book. And then I got a guy that I know who could write the used car book. Uh, so start putting out more stuff under uh, central desking house. But um, yeah, it, there's not, you know, you re I've got a, a, the, an F&I book from another guy that put out a book the same time I did. I still haven't read it yet. I really need to um, just to know what's out there. And it's so funny because there's only one book out there. There was 12 books out there. Like there should be new ones. Um, I'd have to read all of them and we would all be reading each other's book and we would all propel ourselves, our industry and our crafts and our skills much further. So that's how I feel about it. So I would love for you to write a book, Sterling, to write a book, anybody under uh, Central Desk in-house or independent and uh, can't wait for Audrey's book. I'd love to cross promote if uh, that made sense. So, oh, I think uh, I'm going to be strategically having people help promote and that are committed to helping launch it, do a review on it. I want to be a bestseller. <laughs> it's not oh, hard to be a bestseller. You. So the trick to be a bestseller, uh, Audrey, I, I got number one bestseller. Uh, you just, it's the category you're in. So essentially when you pick your category, your category is going to be really small and diverse anyway, most likely, or maybe it's not more diverse the category. So I got to pick something. I don't even know what it is. I have to look it up for you, but uh, it's a pretty diverse category so that when I sell, you know, let uh, a thousand people know or 2000 people know, and I sell 50 of them in a week, it ends up a bestseller. So that's a secret. I don't care sharing, but <laughs> yeah, once they, once the category is small enough, uh, you should be the bestseller in that category for that first week or month. I think it's a month that it's out. So anyway, but uh, thank you everybody for listening. I think we're going to uh, cut it now. And this has been episode 52 of Dealer Process Secrets live on Clubhouse. And uh, it was improving the lives inside the dealership. Of course, it's Clubhouse. We talked about all kinds of stuff. And have a great night. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody, that's been uh, here in the room listening live. Have a great evening. Have a great Bye. evening. Thank you, everybody.